I can remember when I was in my early 20s and I was at a crossroads in my life where I had to make a decision. What was I going to do? Uh, what was I going to commit my life to? Where was I, where was I going to go? And it was one of those really important conversations with God that I look back in my life and I see had such an impact. And I can remember um, coming to that place in my heart where I said, God, whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, um, I want to be faithful to that. And I look back now and I see how he's, he's moved in my life. And I, and I think about this, these last couple months and especially these last couple weeks. And I see the, the importance of committing to the Lord to be part of his movement, be part of his kingdom, and to be salt and light in this time. I know for you and for me, this has been a heavy time. This has been a challenging time um, with the quarantine, with COVID. And now as a week and a half ago, we look on our screens and as a pastor, I'm watching um, this video of George Floyd and and um, seeing him uh, there and, and just the, the power of that image and, and then seeing my brothers and sisters who are mourning because of, of their, their deep connection and, and this power of this moment. And, and then um, this week as we've seen um, the pictures of people breaking into stores and, and fires and, and the anger and the hostility and, and even within all of us, I believe there's a certain sense of frustration. There's a certain sense of anger and a certain sense of fear. And so I look back at that moment when God said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to use you and, and, and that his purpose for me and his purpose for his church and his purpose um, for his body here on earth is to be light and to be salt, especially in these times, especially during these moments. And um, I believe if, if the church um, is to be the church, we are to, to, to look and say, in light of who God is and what he says, how do we react how do we deal with these different things? And it's interesting to me as we've been going through the book of James, that James is so clear in this, that he has such clarity when it comes to how we should react and what we should do. Um, James says we should have no favoritism um, in church and meaning in life. We're not to, to differentiate people because of their social status or their race. And that God is not pleased, God is not happy. Um, and God is, is very upset and to the point of wrath when it comes to things like racism and discrimination. Um, we also know that, that, that James says, um, from the same mouth that I praise God, I cannot turn and curse um, someone, especially a brother or sister, and that this anger and hostility that we have towards each other, that God is not happy or pleased and, and has to be dealt with because um, God is a pure and holy God. And so in light of who God is and what he says, we live in a moment to shine his light, to bring hope and to peace. And this morning as we gather and we want to be disciples who make disciples of all generations, um, we have to recognize the importance of shining God's light and his truth into a dark world, into a world that's full of anger and hostility, um, injustice and pain. And so that's, that's my prayer this morning. How can we do that? How can um, we follow Christ during this time? If you're watching for the first time or you invited to check this out, um, we are committed to being like Jesus. We have a saying where we say, we wanna be disciples who make disciples of all generation. Disciple is someone who follows the teacher Jesus and lives like him. And we wanna do that well right now. And so as we gather this morning together and we sing worship to God, and now we look to his words, I, I, these are not my opinions. I, I wanna get as far away from this as, as I can as Mike 
and be as close to God in his words and what his thoughts are as possible. And so before we go to what God inspired James to write to us today, let us precede it with speaking to him and asking him to speak to us, to clarify things, to motivate us, and to allow us to be completely committed to him. So let's pray. Father God, you are awesome and you are uh, the creator of all things and, and you've created us in your image. And when you look at this earth, you see uh, a reflection of yourself and you value us so much that you were willing to die for us. And, and Lord, um, you desire that we would love mercy and that we would, we would show kindness and that we would desire justice uh, and that we would walk humbly with you. And so Lord, we ask that you would help us to do that, that your will would be done in our lives. And Lord, that we would look to you in this time and that we would share you with others, knowing that you are truly the only answer that we have. And so, Lord, I ask for wherever we are, as, as we gather right now, I know there's pain. I know there's frustration. I know that there is challenge in our hearts and our minds. I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. You would fill us with peace so that we can share that peace, so that that culture of peace um, can be brought down and the eyes can be open to their, to their anger and hatred and eyes can be open to their, uh, their rebellion against you and, and that repentance can happen and that we as a people can come to you and live in harmony with you knowing that you are the true source of life. And so, Lord, as we look at your words, we thank you for James. We thank you for his words. We pray that you would speak to us directly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to continue our series uh, as we're in quarantine Christianity. How do we live spiritual, healthy lives during this time of quarantine? And, and we are seeing um, that we're moving out of quarantine. So how do we prepare for the return uh, to a more consistent life, a, a life back in, in, in public um, and, and gathering physically again. And, and it's interesting as we look at the context of James and, and here James is speaking to a very specific group of people. We're told in the beginning of James that it was the 12 that had been spread out. It was Jewish Christians, those who had come to Christ and, and had committed to Christ. And, and yet as James was ministering to these people, as he was investing his life into these people, he was beginning to see a very unhealthy trend. He's beginning to see that, that unfortunately much of what they were saying wasn't being applied to their actions. And there was a lot of talk, but not a lot of doing. And so he confronts that. And, and really, James is his whole narrative here. What he's teaching us and them is that if you're a follower of Christ, you got to be like Christ. You can't claim it and it not be true. Um, and, and it's so important for us. He talks about a mirror that that, that that mirror shows us who Christ is and his holiness and the, the, the law of love and the law of liberty that is revealed to us in that mirror. And that is so important for us to regularly look into that mirror and say, how can I be more like you? And I, and I don't want to talk about being like you. I want to actually be like you. I want to be your reflection here on earth. And so that's our goal. Um, and that's what I believe James is speaking into us right now. So let's, let's open our hearts, our minds to what God has for us as we begin here in James 4, uh, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that battles within you? You desire, but do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. 
James is living into this inner battle that we have and, and it's that inner struggle where um, much of what comes out of us starts from which within us. And, and if there's anger and hostility within us, it will come out of us. And, and he's saying, we, we don't, we're not getting what we want. We're not, it's not the way we like it. It's, it we're not really um, feeling the fulfillment of the world the way we want it. And so that causes this hostility within us and it, and it spews out. And he says, much of the arguing and much of the contention and much of the, the hatred that's going on is because um, you are unsatisfied with, with life. You're unsatisfied with how things are going and you're unsatisfied with the world around you. And, and we need to deal with that root cause that begins in our minds. It begins in our souls. It's the thing that we cultivate, that we water, and that we uh, put focus on. And he's saying we have to look at that and we have to deal with that. And he goes on to say, um, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And James lives into our motives. He says, look, that thing that's driving us is our motives. And many, um, uh, many times the cases, our motives are leading us to destruction and selfishness and, and self-desires. And, and we treat people um, only the way that, that will allow us to get something from them. And, and we see the world as a place um, that is, it should be focused on our needs, our desires, and our wants. And, and that's not what God created it to be. And when our motivation is to get and our motivation is to exalt ourselves and our motivation is for us to be the point of reference, then we lack wisdom. And James is saying you can't be a follower of Christ and have those kind of motives. Your motives must be pure. Your motives must be um, committed to what God has for you and, and the love for people that God has for people and, and that that's how you live out your life and that's how you um, pursue things. So our motives really matter. My motives matter in my relationships. My motives matter in how I spend my money. My motives matter um, even when it comes to how do I deal with the challenges of our world, when it comes to racism, uh, when it comes to hatred, when it comes to politics, all of these things. Um, what are my motives? What is motivating me? Do I want the best? Do I want God's name to be lifted up? Do I want everything to be seen in light of who God is and what he says? Or do I have personal motives that are driven by my own agenda? And I think that is important for us to recognize as James is, is speaking into us. He says, look, you can't claim it if it's not true of you. Verse four, he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity or there's a battle against God that you're an enemy? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This is an interesting statement. Didn't God say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son in John and John 3.16, as we look there, is this contradicting this? I don't think so. John is, um, James is speaking to a predominantly Roman culture. And in that culture, the point of reference was the individual, that that person should get everything they want. And, and there were statuses and some people were, were valueless and, and things were done in a way where money and power were the most important things. And so James is saying, if your focus is the world's focus of money and power and getting your own pleasures and your own desires fulfilled, and that's the focus of your life, then that is at odds with God. That is as if you're an enemy of God. If that's where your focus is, if that's why you make the decisions, if that's what motivates you, if that's what's at the heart of who you are, then you're at odds with God. 
And so much so that it's amazing that, that James talks about this idea of adultery and, and it's not talking about the actual act of adultery. It's talking about spiritual adultery that we see throughout the whole Bible that God detests this adultery we have, that, that we flirt with the world. We flirt with our own, um, our own desires where we put ourselves first. We flirt with the idea of, of having relationships that put things above God. And God is saying, no, I want to be the single most important thing in your life. I want to be your reference point. I want to be this in this close, deep relationship. The reason God came to earth as a man and lived a perfect life and died on a cross and rose from the grave is that you could have a close, deep, powerful, meaningful relationship with your heavenly father. He paid that price for us to have that. And he's saying, once that's established and once you've come into that relationship, um, it must be a committed relationship. It's a relationship built in, in self, uh, in trust and commitment and giving oneself over to the Lord. And so I would encourage you, do you see your relationship to God that way? If you've never started a relationship, that's what it, that's what it means to believe. It means to, to confess your sins that you have been self-centered and, and that you have done things that have, have gone completely the opposite of God's will. And you're going to hand that over and receive the gift of salvation. Receive Christ as your Savior so that you can have this intimate relationship with God. Are there things that, that you flirt with that cause you to walk away from that love for God? Do you, do you wake up every day as part of your life, this love relationship with God? Because that's what he desires for us. And then finally, uh, he says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. The only thing I see in my life that keeps me from really pursuing God, really going after God with everything I got is my pride. What will people think about me? What will people say about me? Will I miss out on the things that I want? Will I miss out on the things that, that I desire? If I truly am willing to, to humble myself and, and to put myself second and third and fourth, um, to put God first and, and those that he calls me to serve in front of me, am I willing to do that? Because we have a, a very large challenge ahead of us. Um, for those that, that claim Christ, that you, you would consider yourself a disciple of Jesus, we have a great task to be salt and light today. And the true way of being salt and light is for us to humble ourselves and to love people the way God loves people. To be engaged with our community the way God desires us to be engaged with our community. As we see this idea of humility and, and resisting pride, what is God speaking to you? Where is he showing you things? What are you seeing in the mirror? How can we move forward? And so I just want to give you a couple things, just three things I think will help. And I think it can be under the heading of how do we cultivate a healthy heart? How do I cultivate um, loving God and loving others? Because that's really where this comes down to. If I'm really going to be a light during a dark time, if I'm really going to be salt bringing healing to the world around me, it begins with me cultivating this truth in my own life. And I believe that starts in our minds. In your mind, are you cultivating the truth of God? Are you in love with God in your thoughts? Do you commit your day to him? Do you begin the day with prayer and for studying his word? Have you set aside a time in your, in your daily life to focus on him? 
to maintain and grow and, and, and to flourish that relationship. Because I, I believe for all of us, it starts at this place of this inner um, thinking and this inner approach that, that our thoughts, our ideas need to be aligned with God and to be looking to him and looking to his answers and, and understanding that Christ has built, Jesus has built this bridge that we can communicate with him every single day. And then when, when that overflows and we're cultivating this new culture in our hearts, this culture then becomes true of our homes and, and we cultivate a culture of respect and dignity and value and, and making sure that the things of God are lifted up and that those are the things we focus in on and those are the things that we cherish and those are the things that, that we love. And then from that, the culture pours out into our community and we begin to, to see where we can bring life and hope and where we can bring healing and where we can get engaged and where we can have voice and where we can have action that brings about this peace with God, this peace within our hearts. Because the true answer to all of the ails and all of the challenges of the world today is the answer of, of the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus has died for our sins sins every sin that we see happening today. He's died for it so that it, we can be brought into perfect relationship with God. And so it starts there. If I'm willing to cultivate this relationship in my mind, cultivate this relationship in my, my home with my family, and then cultivate this relationship within my community. Are you willing to do that today? Because I believe as you cultivate these things, God will begin to give you clarity on what you should do. He'll give you clarity on how you should speak. He'll give you clarity on, on where to focus your life, where to spend your money, where to spend your energy, where to spend your time. But it begins with that commitment. It begins with me saying, God, here it is. Use me, take me, make me what you want me to be. I'm so glad that at 22 years old, God didn't, didn't overlook or, or, or didn't, I didn't resist and that God spoke into my life in such a clear way and I desire for him to speak into everyone's life that way. It's the greatest decision I've ever made. It is, it is becoming what you have been created to be. And that's what I would pray for every person, that they would fall in love with Christ, that they would live every day committed to him and that through that relation, the world would know by the light and salt that is revealed in their life. Today, have you made that commitment to Christ? Have you received him as your savior? Have you handed over your life to him? If not, this is a great opportunity. He says, anyone that confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be part of the family. You will be in a place of relationship with God forever. This morning, if you've, if you've made that decision and and, and you're just saying, I, I need to know the next step. I need to know what God has for me and how to move forward. Um, I would just say, God, please speak to me. God, please speak to me and show me how I can make a difference, how I can be light and how I can be salt today in my community, in my home, and in my own heart and life. How can I be salt and light? How can I be a doer of your word? And how can I speak the truth of your word with love, making you the point of my reference? And so now as we come to our song that we close the service with and, and we worship God, um, let us consider what he's saying to us. This is the time we set aside. We say this is an important thing for us to do, is to worship God through singing, but also through worshiping him and giving of our tithes and offerings 
a time of generosity, a time to say, God, I believe what you're doing is, is the solution. I believe your gospel is the solution and, and I wanna invest my life in that and I wanna invest my finances in that and I wanna follow you. And so if that's you this morning and, and you sense God speaking to your heart, I would ask, to ask him, what would he have you give? If you're checking this out for the first time and, and you're not a member, you're not part of our, our body here, we have no expectation. We're glad you're here. We want to get to know you and we want you to get to know us. But this is an opportunity, an opportunity to invest everything that's within us for the glory of God, for the true answer that will solve the issues of the world. In the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. And so as we sing, let's allow the Spirit of God to speak to us.